0: This is Rael Talk, a podcast that explores ideas about movement, music, and mindfulness to inspire, educate, and elevate your human experience. I'm your host, Britta Rael. On today's show, Jesse Blake is a music producer and DJ who's been traveling the world, amplifying and elevating the sound experience for yoga studios, gyms, festivals, music venues, and even on film and television. From corporate finance to corporate wellness, Jesse's passion for percussion and music production have helped shape his unique path to success. He's currently a resident DJ for Wanderlust Festivals Worldwide, as well as the live DJ for Beachbody's Morning Meltdown 100 fitness program. He aims to co create transformative environments, holding space for his listeners to have their own deep experiences, whether they're moving and grooving on the dance floor. Or getting their work done in a yoga class thank you so much for coming finally to just be interviewed and be on the podcast it's just an honor to have you
1: you are welcome it's an honor to be here
0: i'm really excited to talk with you we've um been sharing, you know, stories and conversations definitely over the last several months, having been coming off of the Wanderlust Festival tour. Yep. And so for my audience and for people that are listening or watching, Jesse and I met at a Wanderlust Festival. I don't remember which year it had to have been.
1: Tremblant 2017, maybe? Something like that. We met because you were scheduled to do some sort of cool tricks In the Cooler Market while I was DJing that one time. And we just like clicked from afar. I mean, I remember watching you kind of, and you were like, I like what you're playing. And like, before you know it, we were like vibing. And and so many, so many connections on the festival circuit happen that way. It's just like, there's just a moment of like, hmm, I like you. I don't know why. We see it. You know? Yeah.
0: You've been touring not only with Wanderlust, but several other events and festivals and doing your own music production for many years um but i want you to just talk a little bit about like the rundown how did you get started as a dj and and what does it mean to be a music producer versus being a dj and just give me a little bit of a uh the jesse blake history
1: give me the jesse blake rundown um well um to Sort of focus on the distinction between DJ and producer. Mm-hmm. Um, a music producer is some is just somebody who makes music, but uh, I think it, you would you would generally put it under the umbrella of electronic music or or sort of production that happens within the context of a um, a home studio or a studio that doesn't involve live musicians. Come you on. know, so there's that that would be uh, that would comprise the distinction between like an engineer. Mm-hmm. Who would who would be working one of those huge boards you see in, in a in a big studio,
0: the ones um, that I want to touch all the buttons on?
1: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> okay. and the, and and even in those environments, there, there often is a producer role, um, and you know people have been famous producers over the years, um, producing rock and roll records and hip hop. I mean, Dr. Dre is a producer, right? Um, but it, it really it it's sort of like songwriter. Um, composer, sound designer, all those things kind of roll up in the electronic music world to yeah. a producer. And so, that, so that's, that's sort of hat one that I wear. I make music, deep house music for the dance floor. Uh, I make music for film and television. I make yoga music, obviously, which we'll probably talk about some more. Um, and there's a, there's a sort of cool interplay between those three areas. There's also kind of a healing arts dimension to my work on the ambient side of things where Uh, it it gets extremely low key and chill and meditative. Um, And so I'm able to kind of span the range from that level of really almost like wallpaper to the extreme where it's just, there's something happening back there that's kind of changing the environment of the space all the way to stuff that's pretty driving and is designed for, you know, a dance floor environment in a club. Right. So that's, that's on, the, on the music side of things, that's, that's, that's me as the music maker. And then in the DJ realm, obviously um, in, a, in many cases, I'm sort of presenting my own music in live environments. And so I'm doing that a lot in class. I mean, a lot of the music I'm uh, performing really in class environments for yoga teachers and, and on the Wanderlust Festival where we met and stuff is um is my own music, sort of peppered in with other stuff. So it's kind of cheek by jowl with music that people might recognize and stuff, you know, that's that's from famous people. Um, and then, you know, there'll be like dance party opportunities where I'm sort of doing more straight DJing work or um, DJ sets where we actually met. I, I think, I can't remember exactly what I was playing, but I think it was like sort of a Afro house, mm-hmm. sort of old school um, uh, set that I did in, in a, what we call the cooler market. It's like the market area where all the vendors are and you guys were doing like an acro thing. And I, I think I played a couple of my own tracks in there, but like th- in those environments, you know, I, I would, I would c- put the DJ hat on as like, I'm sort of transcending my own work and I'm just sort of doing what's needed for the environment or the space. And mm-hmm. so that can range really, I can be doing, a, you know, a super hard, hip hop set, if I'm doing a fitness video or something like this, where it's like really requires like rocking music way more intense than I might ever make. Um, you know, that, that would be on the DJ side of things, you know, where I'm just, I'm not playing my own music at all. So You're those, curating. that's the two exactly, yeah. exactly. It's more curatorial.
0: The, the moment that we met was so special for me because as an acro yogi practitioner and teacher and just yoga person, um, or more specifically as, as me, I love music. I love sound. I love vibration. I love beat. That's literally what turns me on. Yeah. When I rolled up into this kind of outdoor shopping hangout area for lack of a better description. Um, it's so fun when I get a good song to do acro yoga to, because yeah. it's like a dance, you know, especially with the people that were there at that festival. Good friends of mine. We have amazing physical chemistry and, and skill and repertoire. So to be able to recognize that guy who's playing is got a good vibe. And I'm going to not take away from his vibe, but enjoy it and hopefully contribute to the aura or the atmosphere, like you were saying, of this entire area it was so special and then yeah we were really like we made eye contact and we kind of like i asked you i was like do you mind if we perform in a way like to your set and you were like yeah no problem
1: yeah well i mean the 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 experience um when you're djing is is almost 50 50 me presenting and then it's the it's what's happening on the other end of that circuit you know i mean i during the, um, during an an environment like that, I might start out in one direction, but like people are vibing on some element of something I play and it's like, Oh, well, if you like that, maybe we could go in this direction. And then you're sort of riding the wave of their interest. Mm -hmm. And and if people are starting to kind of really dance and get, get involved or whatever, it's, it's dictating in this very intuitive way that I, I actually don't, entirely understand even after like 17 years of doing this professionally I like I don't quite get when that link clicks and you're it's like how did I know to choose this next track um and it it was exactly the right choice for that environment those people in that time and place and I remember very well that you guys kind of set up shop there and then a crowd started to form around you and people were like dancing but they were also watching you and and I was literally playing to you guys and, and sort of considering in a very, I mean, it was not rational. It wasn't like I was like, this is great to do acro yoga to, you know, but it, I kept feeling that the, the vibes were kind of getting higher as you, as you guys were doing more and more crazy stuff and you were like spinning each other around and really kind of pushing each other as like pros will do. I mean, you weren't like teaching, you were, you were presenting what you do. And so it was really cool. And then so meanwhile, people are dancing and vibing, whatever. But there was like a performance that you guys were that you you kind of fell into. And it was it was really cool. And also um, that connection that we had really like sort of started our friendship. And I'm I'm really interested in that 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 is basically a, a really recurrent experience on tour because it's like you're so busy. I'm so busy, you know ships are passing, you know, you're on your way to do another class. I'm, I mean, there's many, many people that it'll be like a year that I saw them from a crop, but I never met them hmm. or or even knew that they were necessarily working for the festival. And then there'll be these moments where you just vibe and it's like, oh, we get each other. We're going to be friends. And then, you know, I would see you in Santa Monica. I'd see you at a 108 in like Denver or something. It's like, oh my God, hey. But we just always were cool and connected um, as as the festivals sort of, uh, transpired. And I mean, it's just cool to remember that that, that moment was how it started.
0: I definitely want to come back to talking about, you know, your role almost as a co-creator of experiences when you're DJing, because it is so dependent on who you're DJing to or for or with. Um, but before we jump into that rabbit hole, um, why, why did you choose this particular path as a as a dj more than just someone who produces and writes music and maybe you could talk a little bit about you know your background being really a drummer a like a rock and roll like hardcore drummer i mean i've i've seen you i've seen you drum and it's it's (laughs) hardcore and you're in it and you're sweaty and you're like loving it so i want to hear a little bit about that story um or that that iteration of jesse And then, yeah, how you, how you got into more of this, like you said, curatorial or curated experience as a DJ.
1: Um, Well, I mean, the, there is to, to imagine that I chose any of this is um, to really, you know, be way off base actually. I mean, it, it chose me of anything. And I think it was just like a series of happy accidents that um, happened at at sort of that, that came into my life at crucial times. And so, Um, I went to school for percussion performance, uh, in college, um, and moved out to California the first time with all intents of, of being a rock and roll drummer, as you said. And, you know, my, my sort of, uh, financial career, like how I made money during that whole time has its own, uh, arc that I can get into, but I ended up, you know, getting into the corporate world eventually and doing a bunch of stuff, um, before, before, the two met again, and I started kind of making my living as a musician full time and that was around two thousand and two but I was always in bands uh, and and on tour a lot and and cruising around and you know trying to make it quote unquote um, from the time that i was in my you know from the time I got out of college or whatever and <clears throat> in the like wake of the dot com bust after the boom, I was selling software for um, uh, for a company that essentially went from doing really great. And it's interesting that we're filming this on 9-11, but but 9-11, the 9-11, really dropped the bottom out of the piece of Internet 1.0 that I was involved in. And we went from like a need-to-have to to a nice-to-have to to a I don't think we need this type deal in about six months. And um, so I was laid off. And uh, I was dating a yoga teacher at the time who was basically like, Offhandedly talking to her boss, who owned a, a small studio in the suburbs of Chicago, and she had heard about a, a, a yoga teacher in Toronto who had live drummers come in and drum a beat out that then uh, people would peg their breath to and hence the movement to. Mm-hmm. And so she she was wondering out loud, just randomly, when my girlfriend at the time was within earshot. I wonder if I could find a drummer who would come in and like play for some of these classes of mine and we could play around with that. And she was like, to her credit, I happen to date the best drummer in Chicago. You should have him come in and actually he has a lot of time on his hands uh, unexpectedly right now. So, you know, next thing you know, um, she's got me out there and I did the drumming for the class exactly one time just with a drum. I mean, it was like really weird. You know, I'm like go 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 go, and then you know they're expected to breathe to this, and it was you know I mean it was an interesting exercise, but it was really boring and odd for me. And I I had been you know making music and sort of making hip hop beats for my friends and you know dabbling I would say in a in a in, a, in the sort of electronic music world while playing drums in bands, um, and so I said to the uh, the instructor could I bring in a bunch of gear and play around with this and like actually make it more interesting? And she said, sure. And I want you five days a week and I'm going to pay you in cash and like, we'll just do. And so, and this was within no joke, two weeks of getting laid off. So it was like this, I was like, what am I going to do? Oh, I guess I'm going to be busy five days a week, creating enough music to make these classes interesting because they were already pretty well attended. And then once, she had me involved these became like kind of magnet classes for the northern suburbs a lot of people started coming a lot of teachers from the city started coming up then i got started getting hired to do this same stuff down in the city then i put out a couple of records um and then they did very well in the yoga world and so like all of a sudden this thing is starting to percolate um, and in like 2005-6 i was touring around the country to yoga studios Playing for classes and doing this really wild thing, which everybody sort of can. I mean, live musicians, live DJs in class now is not as weird as it was at that time. I mean, the real controversy back then was whether or not to have music in class at all. And like Ashtanga classes, you know, primary series led, climate primary series, you would never hear music in those classes or even an Iyengar class. My gosh, how are we gonna hear all the alignment cues You know, if, if there's music going? How are people gonna hear the breath? Aren't we supposed to be sort of shutting out the outside world and going inward? Which by the way, I mean, I, I like as an aside, I love practicing in silence and I I'm, I'm quite ambivalent I would say from time to time about music in yoga classes, which is sort of ironic considering <laughs> this is a, a big piece of my business and my work. But um, so I, I definitely get that. And I think part of what I was trying to do was create an environment that, that continued to stay meditative mm. and continued to stay separated from the outside world. So that it's like, yes, there's sound, yes, there's something happening that's organic, that's being built on the fly um, that might take your attention, but there's also all this space to, to drop in more fully and so my, my goal always and this to this day when I approach getting ready to, to um, DJ for classes, if, especially if I'm working with a new instructor is to figure out how to sort of amplify the environment that they're creating already and, and almost create a boundary of sound around what we're doing so that there's a you know there's a place inside there that's actually hyper meditative it's hyper introspective. It's hyper um, pointing towards uh, a deeper connection with yourself while you're while you're practicing. So you know whether or not I, I succeed at that all the time. That's that's my goal. And so um, that was happening on a on a sort of parallel track to all this rock and roll drumming stuff. And I was making money doing it. I was on tour doing it. It was sort of affecting my ability to do both. Um, And then in the middle of all that, I basically took, and by the way, at that point, it was all my own music. Like, I was not a DJ at all. I was just presenting my work using software with the laptop and the synths and many drums. And people started wanting to hire me to play in clubs and bars and stuff. And so I was like, okay, well, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. You're going to pay me, right? Like, I don't have to go back to this corporate thing. Okay, uh, well, I better figure out how to be a DJ then. And so I kind of came at it through this side door opposite way uh, where I sort of learned these different software modalities and and learned how to beat match and DJ and and become, you know, a straight up DJ in a club environment as, you know, from a musician background rather than a lot of times it goes the other way where people start out as DJs and then they move into production. I was always a producer moving into DJing as a sort of secondary thing, because people, quite honestly, were willing to pay me to do it, you know? Right. And so that was happening on its own track as well. And I was in a couple of bands that almost got signed. It was just like, you know, the behind the music story where it's like, we just were so close a couple of times and it just never quite happened. But those were like my main, that was always what I thought I was up to, you know? So this thing that's happening on the parallel track, um, it's really turning into a career, even though I don't really realize it. And at a certain point, I just had to sort of embrace like, this is what I'm supposed to be up to. I started selling this music to film and television. And the minute I really got super aligned and was like, okay, I'm, I'm no longer a drummer waiting to get signed. I'm, I'm, you know, this music guy and DJ just fulfilling my purpose in this area my career really just exploded. And, and, um, and that's kind of where I am now. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's been pretty awesome. The last three or four years have been a, like a, like a rocket ship type feeling thing.
0: That is for me an, an indicator of serendipity. You know, yeah. you said it didn't, you didn't choose how to do this. You didn't say, oh, I want to be a DJ because, you know, DJs are cool or DJs make money. Like you just something landed in your lap and you listened to that and tuned in and were able to provide for an opportunity and the opportunity was able to provide for you. And I think in my experience, like serendipity shows up as what I like to call God, G O D good right. orderly direction. It's like, Oh, that's, that's a little cue on this trail. You know, those little tree lines that you like yes. go on a trail and there's, you don't know where you fricking are. And then you see a little blue dot on the tree, like, oh, that's serendipity. So that's so, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. For, a, for being in, you said you were doing this since 2002, sort of more professionally. I mean, that's,
1: Yeah, that's I, really I, cool. That's the last time I uh, I donned a suit and tie for work it was 2002. Yeah. So So you um, don't and,
0: wear a suit and tie for the discos?
1: I, I don't unless, you know, I decide I want to, you know. Right. It's, it's not mandatory right you know um, and i mean i i i want to stress that that it was never a um, there was no plan and and I think at this point um, people do as as it's weird to say this, but people do sort of Approach me and you know how 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 do you how did you do this how did how did you get here how did you see that this was possible and the answer is i didn't i never saw it i was scared to death and it's just that the fear of going back to a sort of the cubicle thing that was really eating me alive i mean i was good at what i was doing back then but but um it was not my heart's purpose at all and um, and and really, everyone who knew me and everyone who I worked with knew that they could feel it. I could feel it, but I I just felt trapped. I didn't know, and they call it the golden handcuffs. It was like, it was a good time to be doing what I was doing, and I was, you know, making good money. And and I'm not sure if if uh, if the if I hadn't been fired, if I w- I don't know if I would have ever left. You know, mm-hmm. and so there really were these like sort of happy accidents that did not seem happy at the time. You know that uh, led me in this direction and so i guess you know one of the sort of meta narrative points that i always try to make is like sometimes the the you, you you don't really know where you're going like to your point of serendipity it's like it only in retrospect you look back and you're like oh wow right if i had gotten that if that thing that i was really gunning for had happened then i would have never had this experience so thank god that didn't happen but at the time that was a Horrible bereavement, you know, and you 're just like I mean the fact that the the bands I was in never got signed as an example, I mean, I have way more control over my my musical direction and my creative expression than I ever would, um, you know being the drummer at one one fourth of a of a quote big rock band, you know yeah. um, and yet you know it was it was it was really, really hard to fail like that and fail over. and I mean, I had was 20 years of of, um, of not getting where I was hoping to go. And that's not to say that, that we didn't make great music and that those bands weren't failures. I mean, they, we did a lot of really amazing things. Um, but, but in terms of it being something that then took over my life and became my life's purpose, it, it just never quite happened. And meanwhile, this other stuff was happening that I was really actually holding at arm's length for pretty close to... I would say a decade the better part of a decade. I was like, yeah, I don't know. i uh, this other thing that I'm doing that doesn't make any sense, but people are paying me. So I'll keep showing up, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And so what do you make of that? I don't know. Yeah. You, 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 say yes. You say yes. Well, if, if it feels right enough to continue to keep doing it, you know I mean? These sometimes these things turn into these weird platitudes, but like, have you ever heard the phrase that, you know, the, the headlights on a road trip only have to show, The next little bit of road you know or something to that effect some idea where it's like you don't have to see the end of the road trip to be okay on the road at night as long as you can see the next couple steps quote unquote yeah and I mean I think it's just about getting better at you're at a crossroads what's the next best choice maybe it isn't a good choice and a bad choice maybe it's like a kind of bad choice and a super bad choice and like so you're choosing the kind of bad choice or the like thing that doesn't make you want to, you know, scratch your eyes out, more a than bit the other thing, yeah. right? <laughs> and little by little, you're kind of clawing your way somewhere, and you don't know where you're going, but like eventually, things start to turn. And I, I just I see it so often that people really do turn, and things really do change in a positive. The, you know, the the stuff bends, it arcs in the direction of, heart's desire if you let it work. Mm. And I think you know you're an example of that too, where. I'm sure if if we did the similar sort of analysis of your career trajectory and your life's trajectory, there's all these moments where you're like, I was seriously, I didn't know. I don't know what I was doing. And you probably on some level still don't. I mean, I certainly don't. Um, And yet here, here we are and it's, uh, it's working out. Yeah. You know?
0: So Jesse, do you, I mean, you mentioned you have some, yoga practice or experience practicing, do you consider yourself a spiritual person? Like, is that something that you subscribe to, or is that something that's a part of your life within your work and outside of your work? And how do those things relate?
1: I, I think that what I would say is that I'm more and more open to the mystery that is clearly evident on what's going on whether it's nothing, and we really are just, you know, a materialist ball of rock and magma, meaninglessly spinning around, uh, you know, a hydrogen bomb at at a corner, uh, an unassuming and interesting corner of the Milky Way galaxy, one of billions of galaxies just like it, in this limitless space for no reason. And here we are just ants having our, we think we're doing something, but you know, whatever. I mean, let's, that's like worst case scenario, let's say, on one end. And on the other end, it's just completely organized. There's a whole plan here and a purpose. And we're immortal, limitless beings just playing around with cause and effect here in this time and space continuum that's been created uh, for us to sort of work out free will. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, maybe that's what's going on. And anything in between, including, you know, maybe even organized religion sort of might be true. I don't know, like, you know, but but my feeling is it's the thing that's undeniable is that we just don't, we're not created or we're not able to know what's going on. You know, we're able to be conscious enough to be aware that we're going to die, be aware that we're going to accrue Skills and loves and things we care about, and then they're all going to go away. And it's a terrible bereavement, but it's also this sort of beautiful experience that we're all going through together. So we're able to see that in a way that, like, my kitty cat just lays around, it just is going to go on forever, I guess, because all she does is chill the fuck out. I mean, like, it, it's just, it's, there is no urgency in, in, in her world. I mean, it, this is just going to go on forever, clearly. And so un- an unawareness of her own imminent demise. And I just, I, sometimes I look at her and I'm like, what a blissful existence, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're smart enough to know that that's not the totality. We see that people die. We see that things fall away. We see that the one constant is this, cycling and change and movement through things you're in good times you're in bad times you know love affairs come love affairs go you think you have it all together it all blows up but then that turns out to be the best thing that ever happened but then now it blows up again and like you know so there's a huge mystery and so if if acknowledging that mystery and sort of trying more and more to kind of live and breathe in that space Mm -hmm. and and not be too attached to um feeling that i know what's going on or that i can count on my little brain to really understand it and to kind of go with it and 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 just accept that at the very least it's an unbelievable gift to have this level of cognition and control over my experience Um, to sort of stay in the gift and the mystery i guess if that if that feels like a spiritual approach, then yes, you know, and I, I have no problem calling myself spiritual as long as those are the the sort of dimensions of it. I think where I get a little weirded out is um, sometimes I feel like people use spirituality or the sort of new age dimension of. of approaching life to actually obfuscate some of these truths and to steer clear of the fact that suffering is is a major component of our of our time here and there's this there's this feeling that people imagine that they're going to get out of get out of here you know and Jim Morrison's like no one gets out of here alive well no one gets out of here without really pretty brutal suffering if you're engaged you know yeah and and um to the extent that a, 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 a quote, spiritual person is saying, no, 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 I mean, that's just because you're not framing it right. Like it's it's all about um, realizing the, the beauty and I mean, and all that's there, but there's really harsh, awful things too. And saying yes to all of it and being with all of it in all of the sorta, of, I mean, really just appalling awfulness that goes on just casually in our world, people treating each other so awfully um, and, and really you just are like, there's a God involved in all this. Like, are you serious? You, somebody planned this? Like, right. You know, I mean, they have a lot to answer for. I mean, if right. there's a comment card we at the to end talk of this, to those people. that's right. I'm going to be like, Hey, listen, we need to tighten some of this customer service up. I mean, it's really, this isn't as good of an experience as it could be, you know? Um, and so, well, you know, I'm going to interject enough, you
0: there. Cause that's a, that's a huge part of what I view your role in both music and like these transformational experiences that happen specifically at a festival setting yeah. is that you have this awareness and skill to help control or or present an environment or an experience for people. And how is that? Like, how is it for you being, Kind of in the back seat, but also in the control booth, you know, facilitating right. these big experiences for people. For example, at Wanderlust, like we talked about, you you DJ or present the scope of very profound, quiet, deep, ambient, you know, quote spiritual experiences for people right. in classes, and to the other side of the spectrum, really, really high
1: energy Fucking vibrant
0: high energy
1: house music house dance dancing. dance music which Kundalini. is also
0: transformational yes. so you're the voyeur like what do you see happening on the floor and how does that i want to know just a little bit more about how you choose to engage or how do you choose to control and how you're conscious of what people are experiencing or, or
1: or are you such a good such a good question and and such a like huge topic it's like i could go in like you know so many directions yeah trying to answer it but um i would say that um when that my job is to sort of almost drop into i don't know if it's beta waves or whatever what, whatever that place is where you're you're almost operating from pure intuition mm-hmm. um, the more i try to plan things the more i have a you know if I'm working with a new instructor, say in a festival environment, and especially if I know that there's going to be a lot of people there, I, I I'm always nervous because there's this feeling of like, how do I do it? What what am I going to play? What am I going to do? And my job is to sort of just stay calm, stay open, stay ready to receive the sort of you know the the sort of big intelligence, I guess you'd say, from the experience, the environment, and it, it's it's not that different than what I was describing earlier when you're when I'm DJing when I'm straight DJing in a club environment or you know really for anything there's there's this intuitive link up that that comes and and I I can't tell you where the spark of like oh this this is going to be the next I get it I know where I'm going mm. so my job is to sort of prepare my you know I work with a series of software templates and I I, I have A bunch of my own music that's plugged in there i have like sound making elements that i can control on the fly and so the work i can do is to get better and better at uh creating those beforehand so that i have like sort of maximum flexibility to go from super high energy to super like ambient low meditative on a dime because you know yoga yoga classes in particular in, in the space of 10 seconds, you can go from, you know, the 15th uh, heavy duty go around of, of a Navasana sequence, right? You know, where people are just like, they need those tribal drums, man. It's like crazy, crazy to we're in child's pose. And so five, seven seconds from intense work, we're now into a total chill out mode mm. where it's, it's about sort of a complete release of all that energy that we just we're building. And, you know, I would say my, my North star more than anything else, when I'm working in those environments is I never ever want the music to not reflect the energy in the room or the space. And I mean, the feeling of, um, I don't know, holding plank for a minute, and halfway through the song that the instructor was planning to use for plank ends, and we're going into some chilled and she's like, or he's like, you know, don't mind. Okay, let me wait. Oh my god, you guys keep going. It's it's let me move it to another song or I'm going to start that song over or whatever, you know, like, um, I mean, obviously, in a playlist environment with an instructor, there's so much going on, and they can't always plan and and know, you know, and, and it could be a joke, and it could be funny if they handle it right. But like, if you've got someone there whose job it is to make sure the sound is, is reflecting what you're doing, I mean, hopefully the, the music is always on point in sort of mirroring and supporting and, and hopefully like building on, if we're building energy, if we're building strength, if we're, in, if we're inviting you know, the muscles to really engage and the breath to really fill the room, I wanna support that musically. And then the second that, I mean, literally we come to TTE. And if I can, I want the music to sort of dissipate, and 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 find a new, lower vibe, resting place, right? So that it's like, oh, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. We're really doing this together. He's with us, like. And that that's probably the 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 biggest and most like exciting feedback that I get. If I if I'm like, people come up afterwards and they're like, that was just incredible. I couldn't. I kept realizing, first of all, the music would sort of just be there and I almost didn't notice it because it was so right with what we were doing but then there would be those cool moments where we're clearly moving from section to section and you're right there with us and it's like you're building how did you and people think that we've planned like that you know like if you and I work together that we would do some big plan and actually it would be quite the contrary it would be like I'm just there trying to respond to what you're doing you know and so that allows me to kind of be ready for whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: And so we can go from, you know, uh, amplified yoga, which is a a Kundalini based class that I do with my friend Donovan, um, Donovan McGrath, who, uh, I mean, it's just so high energy and intense. I think, have you come to class? Have you come to that? Okay. It's It's wild. (laughs) You know, and so stuff that you would just never dream of playing in a normal yoga class is, is, is totally on, on the menu. Yeah. Um, because it's about really, let's like, let's get there. Let's let's have a, a really wild and up experience. And then there's other slow flow or even like the stuff I would do for like a meditation or a sound bath type class where you're not even really, a, a rhythm doesn't even really emerge. It's like binaural beats and, mm. and we're trying to sort of uh, facilitate almost a psychedelic level of meditative experience, like all that's available to me and I can kind of run from one gamut to the other, uh, as we're working. And so that's, that's, that's where I'm coming. That's the goal I'm trying to, uh, get to.
0: Yeah. Well, even in, in our experience, we taught one class together so far that I can remember, which was, you know, Thai massage and partner yoga and very much more chill my approach is similar that when I'm working with someone like you, or I will toot my own horn when I'm creating my own playlist, because right. I don't, I really don't like to rely on other people's playlists because it's an unknown, right? right. I want to be fully prepared that I know how every song and every moment and every song happens and links together so that I can kind of curate this experience in mo- movement that that complements that and that enhances it. And with you, it was the same. It's, it's certainly a ping pong or a give and take. Like I might take the class in a certain direction and feel your support, you know, that you've matched my vibe or my pace, or you've created this really nice, even just harmonious sound. Right. And then I can also respond and say, wow, I'm going to go with that for a while. Yeah, and I think that's where this magic happens. That's really unique to a festival setting or any type of live music and curated teaching or guidance, you know, that that is outside of just hitting play, you know, correct? Because well, right. You're yeah. in effect, it's, it's a triad. It's our students or our audience are going through a certain experience that we are intuitively and cellularly and energetically connected to and creating synchronicity. And then we're both there to just support that and guide it and come back and know when when to ebb and when to flow. And I think that's it's just profound. Like that's, yeah. a, that's such a beautiful part of our, our human experience that we get this level of, like you said, conscientious control.
1: I've noticed that Led classes, as opposed to taught classes, tend to do better with a live musician or a live artist working with, for this very reason. Because you're inviting the class to have an experience, and then I'm participating in sort of building up, and, and perhaps helping you set a foundation for something, then maybe I'm, in, I'm influencing you to go in a certain direction, but you're leading them through an experience, as opposed to teaching the practice of yoga, right? And that that has its place too. Yeah. But um, sometimes folks can get kind of workshop oriented, which, like, I love that. In fact, I love workshop oriented classes to take because I want to make sure I'm staying safe, you know, in in the in the work that I'm doing when I'm a, a yoga practitioner, um, and my impulse in those environments is to come down to silence, right? Because it's like, it is a class first. Folks are there to presumably learn or have an experience involving, you know, a learning and going through whatever the instructor is sort of setting up. And, um, you know, I've noticed it's like if I pull the music away in that vacuum, there's actually more attention brought to the voice and what the instructor is saying. So it can be really powerful, but if that's happening all the time, this is sort of just a note to yoga teachers that might be watching and, and just folks think about it. I've been I've been thinking about this obviously a lot over the years. And the the, the, the magic that I've experienced happens when we're all in this together, just to, just to your point, where it's like they're comprising a third leg of the stool, the, the class itself, and it's who showed up that day and who's there, what their energy level is, what their skill level is, the instructors reading that on the fly, making adjustments, we're moving through a, a sequencing of some kind, and then the music is filling that space. And man, there just are these, these magical times where you're like, I can't believe this is I can't believe this is real. We couldn't you know? have
0: planned it better.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, it's that's so the cool. magic.
0: Does it affect you though? Just selfishly, as a music producer and as this person who's you know responsible for this sound experience, like in acro yoga, we teach a very um, ebb and flow class structure where we bring people in. It's very workshoppy. We talk, we demo. We ask questions, and then we go and give them actual free time to practice. And it's very different from, let's say, a vinyasa class or a lead experience like Amplified, where it's it's he's narrating, you know, every bit of the class. Right. For you, does that you're amazing at intuitively understanding? I'm going to pull back. I'm going to give silence. I'm going to allow the teachers to teach, and then you fill in very skillfully and and organically for lack of a better term but does that kind of interrupt your flow and how do you how do you continue to stay in that place of just presence and holding and receptivity when you know you're constantly like volume down volume up volume down (laughs) vibe Um, up
1: yeah i i I would say that it does i mean over if it happens if that's happening enough it can break the the feeling and i can i can start to have this feeling of i wonder if it's it made sense to have me here you know and then i'm thinking if i'm having that experience it's entirely possible that the the students and maybe even the instructor are having a similar are coming to a similar conclusion and that's why it's so amorphous cuz i've definitely been in classes with live instrumentation or a live dj that went horribly wrong, yeah. horribly off the rails, where there's just like a, an asymmetry going on, the, whatever, wherever the person is coming from is not where the, uh, I mean, when I say person, the instructor is coming from is not where the DJ thought they were gonna be coming from or vice versa. And there's just a lack of sort of uh, call and response or a mutual listening or whatever. And you're just in this like, what's going on? I, you know. And uh so that can happen, and then also if the if the class is stopping all the time, it it's it's just a class then. And then I kind of go, "All right, well, then in that case i'll I'll present uh, music while there's space for that, but it's it's really pretty much impossible to get to that magic place that yeah. we were just identifying. and so like i if I remember our, the class we did correctly there was a section of workshopping that you guys kind of did in the beginning that you sort of set things up, but then we really went and flowed for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if there are bookends of that, that can work much better. Cause then we have this time in the middle to sort of begin to feel something out and have it unfold organically, as you said.
0: Yeah. I think that's that's great to distinguish between those led experiential classes versus a taught class where there's a sequence and an outcome and 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 I think it's important and this is probably another conversation that we can go into yeah that that question of does music enhance or does it detract from and I don't think it's black and white I think it's literally like how
1: either and both
0: how it's done either and both yeah and and especially with the style of music that you produce and present and, and just your, your heart, you're offering the way that you show up for your experiences. I mean, that is the type of music that I know I want to teach to and I want to experience. Um, yeah. And that I would strive to try to create, you know, God forbid someone give me a sound machine with a bunch of options on it. I could push some buttons and maybe make a song, but I think it really depends. And I think, um, There is really a good space to have no music and to have just people practicing and kind of taking whatever their experiences are for themselves without this external influence. Now, I really want to talk about an experience that is so, I think, unique to Wanderlust and that I think is so powerful and fun, which is the silent disco. Okay. you and I talked a little bit um, briefly about what it's like. So for those of people that don't know what silent disco is, it's essentially a huge house party, like a dance party with not one, but multiple DJs.
1: Usually three.
0: Usually three, okay. I couldn't remember if it was three or four. And everybody has headphones on. So right. in fact, it is silent in this space where this party is happening, but everybody's kind of on their own vibe.
1: Right. And
0: so what do you, I want you to talk a little bit about the joy of that and the, the challenge of that yeah. and what it's like, you know, to do that, what, what you're observing from the room. Um, Cause those are, those are interesting moments that I, I really enjoyed getting the perspective from you on.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, actually... Um, I almost mentioned silent discos a little bit earlier because when I was talking about the interchange between myself and the audience, all of that that I have been able to identify as uh, going on there was totally unknown to me until I started doing silent discos because it's just the way you DJ. So it's just always been the way things go. Uh, until this situation, because, so you've got three of us going on three different tracks. Everybody can change the, um, the channel just by a flick on the, on the headphone and it goes to another DJ and then the color changes on the headphone itself. So we're all aware of what is working out there. Like who's, who's quote winning or who's got the room and, you know, Ideally Based on
0: how many people you see are like blue or blue or, you or, red know, so or whatever
1: blue the night one night or red or whatever. And like, you, you know, you're the color cause you're listening yourself to your own set as you're, as you're performing. Um, and then there's two other folks. Uh, who uh, By the way, are dear friends, you know, it's like, these are people who I like we're on tour together. We go all over North America together. Um, and so t- to feel competitive with them is challenging in and of itself because it's like, I wanna support them. Um, however, it turns out, you know, that if, if you're sitting there presenting what you're doing and, and trying to think about, okay, where, what's the intuitive next choice? All the feedback that I would normally get from the crowd is sort of short circuited by the fact that the second they don't dig what's happening, they're off to another channel, right? And so the impulse to stay with what you were doing, stay intuitive, like sort of present your truth, as it were, in an environment where you know that the second you're meandering out of whatever the most popular thing is or what people feel like they wanna listen to while they're all dancing together, um, it can turn into kind of a race to the common denominator. I mean, we all talk about like, who's gonna play Whitney first, you know? (laughs) Because like who's gonna turn into a wedding DJ first, basically? (laughs) Because like the impulse of losing the entire room and it's like you and three people in the way back, are you even DJing anymore? I mean it really it's like this weird existential feeling, like if a DJ is DJing in the woods for themselves, are they DJing? I mean, is it just you playing music for yourself? It requires a crowd listening to do the thing that you're trying to do. There's a symbiosis. There's an interchange. There's a circuit that connects where it's like, ah, I've got you. I know where we're going. Let's feel right. this. Out. Ooh, what, what if I make this choice? Ooh, an eighties vibe. You like that? Well, what if I throw it this way? Or I mean, there's a, there might be a BPM or a tempo change. It's like, I know I want to get here and I have a plan of three or four tracks to get me there artfully and it's going to be cool and there's going to be a transition and people are going to go like oh my god i can't believe you you know mix those two songs together or the drop happens and it's like unexpected but if there's no one there to hear it or in the process of building that story they all leave and then the drop happens and there's no one there but you and you're like that was awesome and i'm alone listening to it by myself i mean or the- your plan gets completely stuff. derailed Totally. You know
0: you see maybe your like your headlight um, analogy you see the next three steps in your mind of oh, I know that I'm going to get to this song and I know these beats and I know how I'm going to build it and then you see everybody turn to the red channel and you're like damn it. Right. What do I do now? And so we talked it it comes back to that moment of okay here's what I'm given what do I choose next? How do I recalibrate?
1: Do I Stay the path, do I stay the path of quote, I guess you'd say my truth, right? Yeah. So like a way to appro- approach it is to say, I, okay, I'm not, I'm not caring actually what the crowd is doing. I'm just presenting a set of music that's what I wanna play. And I'm pleasing myself and I don't care at all. And there have been times that I've actually arrived in that space like quite resentfully and angrily because I just don't feel like I'm getting any traction with these people, you know? And then it actually happened in Stratton this year where I was just like off the reservation. I mean, I was like, I'm done with this. I'm never doing this again. I hate this so much. I'm just gonna play, you know, Deep House. I'm gonna play what I would play in a club if I were doing my set and I don't care if it's popular and I don't care if it's just me listening. And I was so unaware that it was only when somebody was like, yo, and into my field of vision like great job, and I looked up, and like I had this whole crew right in front of me that was like super duper feeling what I was doing. Mm. Um, that I realized, oh okay, you can you can even kind of approach it from a resentful place, and it still works out, you know, or it can, if you're being true to yourself. So it's like, it's a I, I mean, I just think it's it's not something I expected that it would become that philosophical to do a silent disco. And, and to sort of manage my own ego and to manage my own feelings about it. Like, I've I've gotten into fights, like stupid DJ fights with people that I adore because, you know, I got hung up on, you know, they like him more and he's the popular one and he's egging them on and he's getting all the attention. It's like, you know, it's so dumb on one level, but like, you know... But it's what real. Am I doing this for? You know, it turns out I it turns out that I got into performance and entertainment and music and DJing and, and being a musician to be paid attention to, you know, and like, I don't know, you know, so it, 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 it's something that I think every one of us has had to work through in our own way. And I have noticed that the sort of more marquee DJs that they, that they hire their number one thing is like, I, I'm, I don't do that. Like you will not put me, on a stage with two other people where they could just, no, that's not how this works. I'm the DJ. If I'm performing, it's me in the room. And Mm -hmm. like, I get that, you know, and I respect that. However, once I sort of started to work with that and realized that there was this, all this opportunity for, dare I say it, personal growth while I'm doing these, right. Um, I, I actually got quite curious about trying to, sort of manage my own reaction to it. And, and that's been, it's actually taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot about my own motivations and my own ego trip that can get going. And like, what am I doing? And why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, Why do I make the choices that I make? You know, it's, so it's, it's, it's gotten quite interesting and I actually really enjoy doing them. Um, I enjoy them more and more, the longer, the longer I go, but uh, it's, it's a, it's a trip. And it's funny too, because from the audience perspective, they see none of this. They don't even perceive it really as a, co- a competition or whatever. It's just, oh my God, we have three chances to find music we like at all times. That means it's never, there's never a sort of throwaway track where I go get a drink. And yeah, it, you're
0: it, always dancing.
1: It, it whips the crowd into a kind of frenzy that you, just, you don't ever see normally except for, you know, if they're going to see Calvin Harris or, you know, unless you know all, everybody knows all the songs and they're all there to see that one artist. It's like in a, in any other environment, you kind of rarely see people flip out like, like you do in silent disco environments. So it's cool.
0: Yeah. It's really cool. It was interesting having a little bit of this conversation prior to the last silent disco that I went to, I was aware, you know, I was aware of those dynamics of when I would feel myself looking around the room not even if i was let's say i'm listening to your track and like totally loving it right but i just as a human i'm automatically aware oh what are what are the other people listening to i'm the only one on the blue track oh well maybe i should switch over even though i'm really enjoying the blue track right so it also created this really interesting internal conversation for myself during that experience like do I can I just stay with this and enjoy it, or am I going to need that immediate gratification of being in the in crowd, or, or finding the next best hottest beat, and and how am I relating to the DJs, you know? Because I know right. and, I know and love all of you, and I like want to support you at all times.
1: Of course, no, totally, and it's and really and uh, dynamic. I I mean I've heard that, that that people have a sense of FOMO right when they're listening. It's like oh the whole room just went and they're screaming for another channel, I got to get over there and find out what they're dancing to, you know? And so you'll see it. Like the whole room will wave change into, uh, you know, someone's color and Hey man, when that's your color, you're pretty pumped. It's like, yes, I got you. And now you got to hold them, you know? And so like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, uh, but the other thing that's really funny is when people come up not wearing your color, And they're like, yeah, you're killing it, you know, and you're like, check out your check out the color. That's not me. You know, I'll take it. But you're actually you want to, you know, you want to pay it forward.
0: Yeah. Pay it, pay the pay the regards forward. That's funny. Totally. So you mentioned just briefly, um, you know, OK, I want to be able to throw this new beat or this tempo in. And maybe we could talk just a little bit about your approach to making music like what's important what do what do i need to know as a yoga teacher you know making a playlist mm. if it's a high dynamic moment or a slow chill moment how do i even understand the structure or the sort of syntactical aspect of music beats per minute um, what materials the best to choose from how do you create arc arcs and valleys or what are some of the, what's some of the vernacular that you would apply to those types of experiences?
1: Well, um, I would say that the two things that matter most in playlist formulation for instructors, and this goes for like new teachers who maybe are feeling overwhelmed by, oh God, now I have to, I have to have playlists for all my classes. Like I'm trying to get through the sequencing and make sure I do left and right, you know, to sort of seasoned folks that the thing I hear on that end is like that they get into ruts of like genres and styles or they get into it well this works for me this is my sound and it just can get stale and boring to them and so how to how to sort of change that up I think it's a it's sort of an ongoing process on both ends of the experience spectrum with instructors I'd say the two things that are most important to me when I'm in a class is, as I said before, that the, that the energy and the sort of vibe level of, of the music offering at any given time in class is consonant with what, what's happening in the room, right? So, like, if, if we're starting out with some, like, banging hip-hop track, but we're in child's pose, right? It's like, what that's doing is, even if I love the song, it's It's creating a sort of discordant thing where, at the very least i'm noticing it and 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 it's becoming the focus of my attention where i'm like, now why would why would she choose this or he choose this song right now? Um, there must be a reason um, Does the person think this is you know what I mean, and so now I'm there, not in the room, not in my body, not breathing, right so the energy level actually matching what 's happening allows it to be one less thing that you're noticing about the music in a distracting way. Mm -hmm. So that the, the, the times where I really feel like the music works in class, I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing is that it's like, if I'm working, the music's working. If I'm chilling, the music's chilling. It's there's a, there's an intelligence to the story arc of the playlist that roughly corresponds with, where the instructor's taking the class. And I mean, I, I, like I said, you know, you can never do this perfectly. And I don't think there's anything wrong with jumping up and going, you know, uh, I thought we were gonna be in backbends. And so Led Zeppelin's on, but we're still in this forward fold sequence that it doesn't feel right. So we're gonna, you know, and then the only thing I would say technically is, you know, bring the volume down slowly when you're moving out of something Yeah. Don't just press stop. Right. And that's just a pet peeve of mine, but like,
0: me too. Um,
1: you know, sort of attention to these little details tells me that the instructors with us, that they care about what's, what's going on, that they're, they're together, that this is about creating a, a mindful space. So be mindful, you know, about the choices that are being made throughout. Right. Obviously knowing that, there's going to be times where things mismatch and have fun with that. Like who cares? It's a yoga class. Right. So there's that. But then the other thing I think, which is almost as important is a sort of authentic and truthful, um, relating that the instructor has to the music. And so that's where I think a person can really put their mark on it and make the class theirs. It's like you can, I mean, I've been to whatever I, I know of, like black metal yoga classes in Sweden, right? I just read about that. Um, I've been to like booty house, hard trap music classes where you're like, if the instructor wasn't selling this right now and just feeling it and with, and and had just sort of designed sequencing or movement basis that, that worked with what we were doing, this would just completely fall apart. Like it doesn't make any sense on paper. And yet, not only does it make sense, it's like really working and it, it's unique and it's interesting and it's fun. Like it's not another flute with tabla drums. It's like, you know, like let's make it ours. Let's make it like I think that authenticity shining through as long as the energy is matching, man, more power. And I, I, I'm a big proponent of like anything goes if, if, you're, if it's music you really like. Like make it, make it fit, you know? A client
0: of mine um, when I was working actually at Google was a big fan of heavy metal. He said a lot of he and his coworkers as engineers would zone out in their headphones and code away and listen to heavy metal, like really intense. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. Like, I love that you're into that. And he, he suggested to me, he's like, I think you should totally take a, teach a heavy metal yoga class. Like I would, I would really come. And I think all of my colleagues would come. And I was like, I don't disagree with you. I think that'd be a really interesting experience, but I wouldn't be the
1: one to. Exactly. Right. Cause God, you're immediately going, going...
0: I vibe with, you know, I can appreciate it. I can listen. I listened to actually several of the artists or albums that he recommended. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I can kind of pick this up, but I don't resonate with it on a deep level. And so for me, it would be distracting as a teacher to try to put so much effort into something that doesn't feel natural. So I think that's a really good recommendation.
1: (laughs) Completely. And yet, you know, someone who's really feeling it, it's like, they're gonna sell it, yeah. And they're also gonna have thought about, okay, well, what what would I want to do while this is going? And then lo and behold, you're gonna, uh, you know, you're gonna attract people who are like, yes, finally, like this is exactly what I've always been looking for. Thank God you're out in the world doing your version of this, you know. And, yeah. And thank God we're all different enough and sort of quirky and weird enough that there's room for all that, you know. It's like. Um, So I'm a big proponent of, like, anything goes. However, I might also steer people toward, this is some, like, inside baseball technical stuff, but, like, Mm -hmm. genres like uh, down-tempo, instrumental, and, like, instrumental down-tempo, chill-out, chill, chill, ambient, deep house. um, Those are genres where... A lot of good juicy starting point for class or maybe like getting us going in a certain set set of like more um vibrant rigorous uh, rigorous sequencing can 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 live and i think on balance it's really good to try to pepper in instrumental music that isn't as well known because you know first of all it draws attention to those well known tracks when they come but if it's a playlist that's just song after song after song that people recognize um no no shade like that can totally work but it it can feel less curated like if if it's if you're picking your shots for that you know it's like oh we're going to do a really intense back bending thing and they're going to be tired like i'm going to play something that everybody knows that Everybody's gonna get a smile on their face and we're gonna sing along or clap hands or whatever. Like, but the whole class hasn't been just that. I think that can like draw more attention to those moments of like surprise and delight as they say. It's mm. like, oh my God, I love this song or I haven't heard this in forever. Or, Elton John, no way. Okay, I'll do another back then. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so yeah, those genres uh, can help. And then you mentioned BPM. And I mean, that is a vast topic. Um, so we could probably do a whole podcast just on that. But you, like on Spotify, there are tons of playlists that, are, that people have made that are BPM driven. So it's Beans like they've gone and done the work of figuring out, oh, these are the right tempos for this BPM range. In addition to that, there's tons of free BPM counters mm. that you can get on for your smartphone just download the app or whatever. And then, you know, you're tapping the tempo and you can start to feel it in your body and get a feel for, oh, this is what this tempo is. And if you want, you can start to play around with what are the breath intervals that best correspond with different phases of class, right? Because different tempos work at different times. And even if you're not teaching to the to the beat, to have a tempo range that really sort of speaks to the, the deep breathing, let's say that you might want during a a meditative section or where we're really holding postures and we're focusing on the breath, inhale and you're counting the exhales and it's like, we're going to do five more. Oh my God. All right. So like just to have a, a, a beat that's actually correspondent with where you might want their breath to land can be really useful in a sort of, um like intuitive non-conscious way um and so to speak to that i would say like 58 or 59 bpm to 60 bpm which is actually one beat per second right so that's like so i mean bpms exist in the actual minute they're just called seconds right (laughs) so just if you can like think of that that's all bpm is beats per minute Um, so 60 on the low end and like 74 on the high end, and you can like type those into Spotify or iTunes Mm -hmm. or, you know, Apple music, and there'll be playlists that give you an idea. Okay. Oh, that's, that's 65, right? That's, that's what that tempo is. And then you try pegging your own breath to that and getting good at knowing and, and intuiting when that change is happening. At a certain point, you might even feel comfortable teaching that a little bit, um, It's a big learning curve. I I, like non-musical folks trying to do that. um, I would say it probably would take a long time of practicing before you would want to just like throw that into a class without working on it, but it can be really cool. And man, if you get good at teaching to tempo, and so the breath is moving together with the, um, the, the sequencing and the whole class, in a moving meditation is moving together. It's like nothing more powerful than watching that happen. You know, they're coming up into Crescent together. They're going into down dog together. The whole room is breathing so loud that you can hear it over the music. Oh my God, it's something else. So that's something to work for if if people are interested.
0: Yeah, and a side note on that is, you know, as a musician, as a performer, as a yoga teacher, as someone that's making a playlist, practice. You know, for anybody that's listening, I don't ever bring a fresh playlist that I just made while I was eating lunch the other day and try to apply it to a class. I go through, whether it's a set sequence or something that I've themed or whatever the content is, but I try to go through at least three, four or five times so that I know what each transition moment will feel like and what the overall kind of arc of the sequence is. And I would imagine... I would imagine the same for you, you probably like comedians like they practice their their lines, their jokes, like you have to run through the material enough that you're really familiar with how to use it and how to how to effectively implement it, and that has to do with just time right just practice
1: Com- well and, and just and also doing it because because in my case, the practice stuff as useful as that is when i'm like sort of implementing a new set of of um, loops or sound design elements that I'm it's like okay I've just I've just made this stuff I'm bringing it into the software environment I've got to get good at like using it and what could it be used for and what key is it in and where do I set it up so that I have access to it when I you know those sorts of practice elements are very useful but when it comes down to it it's like it either works in class or it doesn't and I've found that I can't know until I'm in class trying it. And so there is a kind of jumping off the cliff and hoping the net's going to appear that happens a lot when I'm doing classes, yeah. uh, especially if I've just gone through like a major major iteration change where I'm like, you know, starting from scratch and building a bunch of new stuff and to work off of. Um, and yeah, I mean, you could just be like, whoa, this is really not working. I thought this was going to be cool. It's like not cool, you know? And so... I got to switch out or I got to find a new part of class to, to bring these things in.
0: Switching gears. You have recently become involved with a pretty big company. Yeah. um, Beachbody. Yeah. Which is, and, and you're producing music for their like most popular workout programs, which are, and you can probably talk a little bit more about that than I can, but that's a new thing both for you and lightly within that field. So talk about like an iteration change. Like now you're going from, you know, creating these very ethereal, whimsical experiences for yoga and meditation to like kick my ass into gear, high intensity workout paired with an instructor.
1: Yeah. So holy
0: cow, like what, how how does that happen? And what are you doing to re-assimilate yourself?
1: For sure. Uh, Well, that's, yeah, I mean, uh, to sort of back up to that whole career path discussion we had at the beginning, another emergent sort of vertical of my work way back when was uh, in the process of doing the yoga classes, I started to work with gyms and then gyms started saying, hey, could you do cycling classes? Could you do spin classes? Could you, do, could you DJ for a big room, you know, main room, um, you know, hit format class? You know, could we, could we put something together? Could we put you with an instructor and do that? And so I started, this is back in Chicago. Uh, I ended up uh, cycling, um, which we called spin class there, Uh, but it's sort of like expanded beyond just spinning, right? So people call it cycling now, but spin class, I developed something called live DJ spin, which I was doing nine days a week in Chicago in different, uh, not nine days a week, nine classes a week. I was going to say, dang. I actually added two more days to the week in order to do that. You
0: are good. You I was are good. good. Yeah, <laughs> it was
1: so good. We added a couple extra days. Um, but, yeah, so uh, the, these classes were, you know, super well attended and, and got were really exciting, and it got me really good at doing stuff that had nothing to do with the sort of slow pace of yoga and had everything to do with, like, like, as you said, like ass-kicking just sweating it out, going crazy, really quick transitions, you know, 30 seconds on 15 seconds off, uh, creating systems so that I could respond that quickly on the fly live. So that's been going. And then when I moved to LA, I continued to do that with Equinox and I started working with them, making a customized playlists for their signature format. So all over the world globally, uh, Equinox, the, the fitness company and, and sort of health club, uh, Location. They have signature formats that increasingly use pre-made mixes, and I'm the one who does all of those worldwide. So that's wow. a, that's a thing I've been doing for a couple of years, and because of that, I got onto Beachbody's radar. And so yeah, they they hired me to be the very first not only um, DJ involved in a, a workout program, but I'm actually on set on film. I'm sort of like the Paul Schaefer. To uh, Jericho McMatthews's is David Letterman, right? It was like it's like she's teaching the workouts, she's the focus, but I'm the sort of comic relief, and I provide the music, and I'm like That's dancing around analogy. and having a having a great time. Sort of, I'm the sugar that helps the medicine go down. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and all a lot of this sort of really organically transpired on set where. Um, it it just became clear that it was interesting to the test group that I was there and and that the interactions that we were having sort of expanded exponentially from what I think they initially thought because it just, it was so much fun to like be creating this sort of dance party environment and really like a a fun time for them to work out to. So the, the program's called Morning Meltdown 100. It was 100 workouts, 100 custom mixes, huge project. I've never worked so hard. In my entire life, this is I spent three and a half months working on this, filming it, uh, and then curating it, sourcing all the music, and then building essentially modules of the playlist because the timings were so quick and we, we needed it perfect on film that some of the modules I I pre-recorded in my home studio, but then we also needed it to be live, so I'm like live scratching and I'm actually you know beat juggling between mixes and like doing a bunch of stuff that had to happen on the fly because we wanted it to feel like oh no he's really there making it happen in in the room and so um one of the outgrowths of that is that the music that we're hearing on set is what the folks at home are are hearing and that's actually totally revolutionary i guess like it's usually that they film it to a click track or to some background music and then they sort of superimpose music after the fact which never feels the same it doesn't feel as vibrant there's no response to it's like oh i love this song or you know i heard those lyrics like let's sing that out loud together like all that stuff can happen when it's the same music that you're that you're listening to at home that we were working out to and using when we made it so it's just been this like cool learning process i think for Beachbody and for me and honestly the response has been bonkers like way beyond
0: bonkers. Uh, we, we broke all
1: these records like three hundred thousand people are doing the workout right now there's 1.5 million that are slated to do it in the next iteration so it's just been like beyond anyone's wildest dreams of of, of successful and i'm having a ball with it because like people are really transforming themselves there's like a genuinely you mentioned spiritual before there's like a spiritual dimension to feeling a part of something where people are kind of starting at point a and they are like maybe fed up or they're like over where they are. And they're maybe in kind of a dark place and then they're willing to put in the work and I'm there helping ostensibly them transform and you're watching their transformation and we're all interacting on social media together. And it's like supporting each other. I mean, it's really like something else, man. I mean, it's like powerful. And um, I've, I've done a, a bunch of sort of, live events with Beachbody over the course of the last couple of months where I've gotten to meet all these people and like really make friends. And I don't know, it's like the community is really awesome and has been super supportive of me. And it kind of brought me in as family and like, it feels great. It's like, it's, and so unexpected, like really, really cool. And that's fun. so
0: great. Congratulations, man. I mean, Thanks. I just celebrate you for being, being who you are and doing what you're doing and having that interchange that we talked about. It's so exciting to see you popping yeah. up everywhere. I mean, I see, I see your name now everywhere. Like, wow, oh, cool. people that I knew from my farming days in San Diego, who are just getting now into a Beachbody program, are like, oh, I love this DJ Jesse Blake. Like, it's such a great program. I'm like, oh, he's my friend. Like, he's my I'm, friend, I feel right? Really yeah. Cool.
1: No, i have, I have like high school people coming out of the work, and like you know, people who I haven't talked to in 20 years from like. The software days being like i lot you know i i got my body back after my first two babies using i can't believe you're doing beach body it's like you know it's cool it's uh it's it's been a really fun ride i gotta i gotta say and actually i'm in I, i'm in talks with them to do some new stuff so cool. it, it looks like it's gonna now be a um another sort of pillar of my overall business so that's that's you know i can't ask for more to be yeah. continuing over time to be Connected to them. It's a, it's a cool company. Yeah? And the people that I, that I work with, I really, really enjoy. Yeah, it's, it's fun.
0: That's really rad. What are some of the random skills that you've gleaned maybe now, especially being involved in a more corporate Beachbody company or Wanderlust or just as a DJ with so much success that you wouldn't have anticipated that you would either need or be good at?
1: Oh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, Yeah, well, I'd say the number one thing is that, you know, that that corporate experience that I was so happy to get away from and sort of the whole first part of my career development was really just running scared away from it as quickly as I could, as desperately as I could. Those skills, particularly the sort of negotiation and sales skills and um, and actually my degrees in economics, I, I moved out of the conservatory. Um, and then continue. I have like a minor in percussion performance, but the, so, so I have a little bit of a, um, a a head for business, I guess you'd say anyway, but that those seven years of sales training have really helped me, um, in terms of like interviewing for work and, um, negotiating for work and sort of placing a, a, almost an agent hat, hat on myself and, and, uh, advocating for my own uh well-being and my own sort of compensation and stuff like that in a way that i i definitely see other artists friends struggle with i mean there's a there's a way in which if i if i sort of think too much about it's like could i can i put a plate a price on my creative output and like if i start thinking in those terms it can you can go into kind of an icky place right but this allows me to sort of switch into I'm just in sales mode, doing the job for my client, let's say, or my company, which happens to be myself. And I'm just in there negotiating, or or talking about my work, almost as if I'm a another person. And I think that being able to sort of put different hats on, especially when you work for yourself is important. It's, It's like, you know, my job has a kind of, I mean, there's a creative dimension, there's a, there's a, there's a part of it that's really sort of heart centered if you're doing it right. Um, and, yeah. and that goes for the beach body stuff all the way to the yoga stuff. Um, and so when it comes time to kind of monetize that or, or think about like, well, what, what is that worth? Um, what's that worth to me? What's that worth to the marketplace? It can get dicey without being able to sort of have a firewall where I'm, I'm just over here kind of getting, getting a job done for myself without getting into the sort of, I don't know, big, high level ramifications of, of what we're, of of what I'm doing, if that makes sense. You know, it's like sort of getting that part of it done without getting into this feeling that like, Oh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I don't know, minimizing maybe, or I'm cheapening something, or I'm, I'm turning something into a commodity that's really, you know, coming from a heart place that I want to offer for free. It's like, fair enough. And I have plenty of opportunity to do that. But I also have to, you know, make a living and sort of do what I have to do to survive and, and thrive and move forward and 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 grow as a as a person above and beyond the business that I'm that I'm running. You know, I will also say that I, and definitely now um, I'm realizing that there are limits to what one person can do and that I'm actually at a point where I need to start figuring out how to delegate and, yes. and actually bring people into my circle who I'm you know, I'm paying to do the, the, the stuff that ha- accrues as a, as a function of being um, a business person working for yourself that I can't do. You know, it's like there's stuff that only I can do that, that I'm involved in with my work. It's like the sort of central things. It's actually really interesting to sort of break that down and get a handle on like, what are the things about what I do that only I can do? Everybody's business is different. And I think that's a, that's a thing that at a certain point, everybody sort of has to um, grapple with because there's only so many hours in the day. And at a certain point you you, you, you get to a level where you just can't do the stuff that you have to be up to and do your business well. It's like some of it has to get sent over to someone else to work on.
0: Jesse, where can people find you? Um, how do people get involved with the Beach Body program? Where can people find your playlists? Are, do you do anything besides the festival circuit that's live where I could come and just oh, yeah. totally enjoy your creation? Yeah, um, yeah.
1: So um, at Jesse Blake Music, J-E-S-S-E-B-L-A-K-E Music. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll, they'll yeah, be- Yeah, I'll put it all in the probably. show notes. Um, that's my instagram it's also the my website www.jessieblakemusic.com between those two things um, you know anything i'm up to uh, involving sort of one off uh, class events i'm based in los angeles and southern california so that you know if you're in that area then you're in luck cuz i'm doing that kind of stuff all the time i also work at wanderlust hollywood which is a brick and mortar yoga studio in hollywood um, i'm there several times a week when I'm in town Um, and obviously I'm doing the festival stuff, whatever. So like keeping track of where I'm going to be Instagram's for sure the best. Then I'm also an artist and obviously it's available anywhere music is sold online, but Spotify tends to be where most yoga folks and fitness people uh, work. And so I'm the only Jesse Blake on there. So if you type in Jesse Blake, there's almost 50 tracks. They range from, I mean, they're all sort of yoga inspired, I, I'd say, but there's there's everything from, like I said, super ambient, mellow stuff, um, to pretty high energy, deep house music. There's a couple of albums that are designed to sort of set it and forget it. You press play and a beat emerges actually that you can peg your breath to. And it sort of transmogrifies over the course of a, of a yoga class and you can sort of just play pieces of it or use all of it. I mean. It's available uh, to use in that capacity, um, so that's me as an individual artist making music. And there's, a, I have a lot of stuff that's coming out this year, a lot of, a lot of music coming into, coming online.
0: Man, thank you so much. We've spent several hours now just chatting and catching up, and it's just been, I think, really enlightening for me and exciting. This is the type of stuff i love to talk about and experience and create and i'm i'm really looking forward to the fall and 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 next year's festival season to work together
1: yeah it's gonna be exciting
0: well hey thanks so much this has been really really fun it
1: really it was quite a pleasure and an honor to thank you for including me